And good evening. Today is Thursday, June 24th, 2021. I'm your host, Evan George, and welcome to Bostopia News. Tonight, we are doing round two of the Boston City Council budget fight. As a recap of where we left off in this iconic title match, Kenzie Bach and a surprise move introduced a procedural maneuver to basically have city councilors air their grievances publicly with the current budget. I have to stress that nothing materially changed during this hearing on Wednesday. However, we learned a lot about different councilors' motivations, what they're thinking, where they're leaning. Some of the biggest shockers was Ricardo Arroyo, who we left off at, seemed to have completely changed his tone from last year's budget debate when he was one of the most passionate and vocal advocates to vote no on Marty Walsh's police-friendly bill. This time, saying that while he originally asked for a 10% cut, is okay with Kim Janey's police budget, which adds police officers. He also now expressed concern over the bond rating, which, as I expressed multiple times yesterday, is nothing more than basically our counselors explaining to us that we do not live in a democracy, we live in an oligarchy, and we cannot advocate for things for ourselves through the legislative process. Instead, we have to ask Wall Street financiers what report card are they willing to give us, and that is how we should make our decisions. Some of the highlights, Lydia Edwards gave a great speech. At least it would have been great if she gave it a year ago during last year's budget fight. Let's see where she stands a week from now, or a week from next Wednesday. And Frank Baker believes that the devil is what controls addiction. So that's always fun to hear. And we left off on Ricardo. I recommend... Looking back, either listening to the podcast version of this, as always, thank you all so much for the support. Uh, Like and subscribe on Twitch, on YouTube, to my great TikTok audience. I recommend switching over to Twitch because that way you'll be able to see what I'm watching and what the rest of the people are watching. But of course, you're always uh, welcome to chill. So let's get right to it. There's a hockey game on I want to watch. Thus far, we've heard from Kenzie Bach, who already explained that she's a yes vote. We heard from Lydia Edwards, who sounded like she's voting no. However, cannot be stressed enough that this was all preliminary. This A lot of what we heard was more grandstanding, trying to negotiate leverage for this or that. And also, there's political considerations. Anissa Asabi-George, Michelle Wu, Andrea Campbell, all of challenging Kim Janey and no that any friction, any delay in the budget will be blamed at her and her inability to get things done. So we'll see what Lydia does. Andrea spoke very passionately the day before and during this hearing about why she is a no vote. I can say one thing about Andrea. She is generally very clear on some issues about where she stands, police and the budget being two of them. We heard Anissa Sabi-George give a well-rehearsed stump speech to basically take advantage of the eyeballs to 
give her pitch for mayor. Very little of it was substantive to this budget. And I can't imagine her voting no on it, except as a political calculation against Kim Janey, which is always to be considered. And I think that's everyone that we heard from. Kenzie, Lydia, Ricardo, Andrea, Anissa, Frank Baker. Let's hear now what the the rest have to say. I believe Michelle Wu does not speak during this, but again, we're going to learn more. The only other thing to understand going in, the final vote in the budget will be next Wednesday. Should it fail to pass, we enter what's referred to as a 112th budget, which is not nearly as scary as it sounds. All it means is that the current city funding stays the same and no new pet projects are added. And let's kick it off. Emerging from the COVID crisis, um, many of our communities are struggling, our small business communities are struggling. Um, this is an opportunity, this is a moment in which we have to be bold. And uh, given that we are having this influx of federal uh, money that will be coming available and that we'll be able to expend over the next few years, uh, we have a moment to try and really address some of the, the big issues that we uh, all face across our city. And then I will also mention some issues that are important to my community in Austin Brighton. Uh, the climate crisis, as you've already mentioned, is a, is a real and present threat to our city. And we really need to not wait. You know, I think this. Oh, I apologize. Uh, also, Matt O'Malley spoke, who basically, to me, hinted, or at least gave away, what he'll be doing now that he's no longer running for office. And in my mind, it is cashing in on some of that sweet, sweet green energy money. That is who Liz Brearden, the current District 9 councilor who's speaking, is referring to or pointing at. I really would like to see a greater sense of urgency to really build resilience across our communities, to work on um, our wetlands initiatives and really expand that and go really deep and invest some serious money into addressing our climate resiliency. And that also ties into the need for those green jobs and uh, the training for our young people. Um, you know, our artists, I'm going to swing back to our artist community, all across our city we're seeing uh, gentrification, we're seeing new new buildings, new housing, new industry coming in, but so much of it is driving our artist community out of our neighbourhoods. Um, Councillor Baker speaks to the pressures on the artist community in his district. Um, in Austin Brighton, every block that gets developed, every, every formerly industrial space that gets developed drives a whole cohort of our artists into a smaller space or they drive them right out of our community and our creative community are really important to our neighborhoods and really important to our city so you know i'd like to see um some investment in trying to stabilize the artist community uh, and really uh, see it as a vital asset in our neighborhoods and in our, in our city um the biotech and the news today we're hearing about the need for biotech manufacturing we're building labs all across our city those are the the, the, the highly trained specialist scientists and researchers who are developing all this new um new new, uh, new drugs and new treatments new therapies but all those therapies have to be manufactured and we they need workers to do that work and and you can get those jobs coming out of high school and do a certificate course to enable you to get advantage take advantage of those lab jobs not at the higher research level but basically the lab technology lab technician level and there's thousands of jobs in the making uh, and i feel that it's really important for us not to hang around and wait for that we have as we had we had a, a, a resolution a call for a hearing last week on this issue but to really be really drive this and be proactive and not go oh shucks we missed the boat here we are and those jobs have gone somewhere else we have a moment to try and seize that and i feel that uh, this in this budget we we should be bold um just to pause there 
has anyone ever heard of a just with a high school diploma working in a biotech lab? She, she mentioned a certificate program. Can someone send me info on that? Because I will do a certificate course right now if I can get involved with the biotech field. I, I have a feeling that is just maybe a few positions that pay 30000 a year. Incredibly base-level stuff, but I would love to know more information about what we can a certificate program for biotech. Uh, I'm also very confused what this has to do with the budget, but. In our neighborhood, uh, we are 12 months away from losing a vital facility, the Jackson Mann Community Complex. We have uh, a school for the deaf, an, an elementary school, and a community center, our only BCYF cooling center, our only emergency heating center in the neighborhood that shuts down if the AC goes down. You know, once again, we talk about infrastructure. The Jackson Mann Community, the complex is, a, is an essential piece of our community infrastructure that needs to be replaced in short order. It is a polling place for five precincts. When it closes next year, where are we going to vote? Uh, there's lots of big questions that I really feel in this moment, when there is some extra cash coming into our city, that we should be looking at those those opportunities and thinking, how can we use these, this additional funding to help address some of these underlying issues? Planning and development is a huge issue in our neighbourhoods. Uh, some of us are getting impacted more than others. East Boston's deeply impacted South Boston. Alston Bright at the moment has six million square feet of in under review. Six million square feet of development under review. Um, I think uh, Kenzie Park would probably say that she has a lot of development in her district as well. Uh, but you know, development has not slowed down. Not one. Not one that hasn't even slowed its pace in the middle of COVID. Uh, you know, how will we, we need a budget that will pri prioritize anti-displacement, a budget that will uh, prioritize acquisition opportunities, will mitigate the impacts of speculative investment that is basically coming, people turning up with cash and buying family homes in our neighborhoods so that ordinary families can't even get in the door to, to live and stay in the neighborhoods that they grew up in. Uh, we need a community-oriented planning initiative uh, that really looks holistically at what the needs of the community are, our schools, our libraries, our, our transit systems. We build, 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 and we don't think, how are our workers going to get back and forward to work? We need to look at institutional uses of, and our relationship with our big institutions, and we need to try and build in some permanent affordability into our, into our neighbourhoods so that our people who are workers and our Boston residents can live and work and play in our neighbourhoods and stay for the long haul. I think this, this budget uh, is, you know, we have an opportunity, and I don't think this budget really meets the moment. Thank you. Thank you. All right, that was very confusing. i got to be honest. Um, it sounded a lot more like she's running for office and a laundry list of things she wants to get done. I've, I spoke, and again, I recommend everyone go back and listen to the last episode. It's a little bit quiet, so if this one's a little bit too loud, I apologize. I spoke to everyone's motivation, and as I explained multiple times, that Liz Brearden was part of the three that caved and went with the conservatives joining Marty Walsh last year and voted yes to pass the budget. Lydia Edwards, Kenzie Bach, Liz Brearden. And in the speech that Liz just gave, again, was somewhat of a laundry list of grievances and problems facing the city, all of which existed last year. None of them were enough justification for her to vote no at that budget. And so, as I mentioned before, I think a lot of this is both Liz, Lydia, and Kenzie trying to make up for their inaction last year their failure to seize the moment, and so taking this opportunity to make it look like they're fighting for something after they, again, completely caved last year. So from what Liz just said, quoting, this does not meet the moment. Again, the moment was last year, but everyone can learn. So let's see what changes from now until next Wednesday. 
And if I had to put money on it, Liz will be voting yes on that budget, even if it doesn't change a single thing. Councilor Braden, is there any further discussion on docket 0801? Uh, excuse me, the chair recognizes the district council from South Boston. Councilor Flynn, the floor is yours. Thank you, Mr. President, and thank you to my colleagues that have previously spoken. I learned a lot from you, and I know each person that spoke is dedicated to this city and to the residents, regardless of um, they're putting their politics aside and they're doing what's in the best interest of the, the people of Boston. So that's a positive thing. No one is putting their politics problem. aside right now. Highlight that that issue. But I also wanted to say thank you to Councilor Block and to Councilor O'Malley for providing strong leadership in this body as well, and especially to Councilor Block, as chair of the Ways and Means, um, has done excellent work. I was mentioned in one of the news um, news articles as being um, undecided at this time on the budget. And I'm undecided at this time for, for many reasons, um, including city services, quality of life issues. Also, um, like Ed, Ed's mic is what sucks. That's not my mic. What impact does city government have on, on residents? How are, how are, can our streets and sidewalks be safer for residents, for our seniors, persons with disabilities? What is our pedestrian safety plan, infrastructure plan? Do we have necessary speed humps, stop signs? Mike, myself and Councilor Baker continue to advocate for a reduction in the speed limit from 25 to 20 with strict enforcement from uh, Boston Public, Boston Police on, on this as well. Um, resources for youth, resources for youth after school um, are also an important part of basic city services. Do we have enough staffing at ISD um, to deal with these Airbnb issues? these late night parties that have taken place across our city. After all construction as well, ISD plays a critical role in our city. Um, he, I, I can talk over him. He's not going to say anything important. He, he hosted a whole uh, hearing, him and um, Flaherty, all about the parties, about college kids having too late a house parties, wanting to see if they could put a cap at 9 p.m. on house parties. Boston sucks. Um, especially the AAPI community across Greater Boston, across across the country. I would love to see the Human Rights Commission play a critical role in documenting hate crimes, educating the public about ongoing hate crimes, but also working closely with Boston police and other public safety agencies, and with um, and with the community on how we can prevent hate crimes and anti-racism issues in our city. With that in mind, I continue to study the budget. I want to see what's in the best interest of of my constituents in District 2. I represent the largest district that has the most residents living in public housing, which I'm proud of. What impact does this budget have on BHA residents? What impact does this budget have on persons with disabilities? What impact does this budget have on the poor, the needy, families that are struggling to stay in our city? So I'm gonna to continue to listen to my colleagues, I'm gonna to continue to talk with the mayor, but more importantly, I'm gonna to continue to talk with my constituents about what's important to them and how we keep Boston on a strong path of fiscal stability. Thank you, Mr. President. Thank you, so that was a long way of saying nothing. All right, Julia's back. I am incredibly like in awe of all of my colleagues here today. I am so appreciative of the passion that I saw, and I hope that we continue to lead with that fire every year, all day, every day, because that is what our constituents expect of us when they elect us to serve them at all times, not just in times when it's convenient or comfortable to do so. Um, I would like to also just talk a little bit more about some of the things uh, that I think we need to consider in this budget, um, in particular to the Boston Public Schools. Um, what I see, having 
graduated from the Boston Public Schools and now as a BPS parent, is that we talk a lot about representation, but yet we're not um, pouring our resources into that space. So I think one of the things that I'd like to advocate for, if you're going to get a yes for me, is ethnic studies in the Boston Public Schools, community hub schools with BPS, um, BTU representation. And I also believe that there are a lot of programs out there, in particular, I can think of St. Stephen's, they have a program for parents to develop their leadership skills, and it'll only be $200,000 to help support family engagement. Um, and I think that if we're really serious about family engagement, then we need to actually pour uh, resources that are proven to engage families in ways that are culturally competent. Um, the other piece that I'd like to present is that we've been talking a lot about BRIC and the gang database. And I think that this is an issue that we fought for um, last year, and this is an issue that is still up for discussion this year. And if we're serious about um, police reform, I think that we need to look into uh, what can we do in that space. Um, and then the... Um, just to quickly interrupt, uh, so BRIC, you can Google the acronym, but it's basically the gang surveillance database that Boston uses. There's something like seven, 750 cameras throughout Boston, the vast majority in the poorest neighborhoods, the neighborhoods with the largest amount of uh, black and Latino population. And what it does is it just surveils primarily teenagers. And it has its own elaborate point system where if, like your cousin is known or could be in a gang, you get a couple points. If you wear certain colors, you get uh, certain points. If you're seen next to someone that might be on a list, you get a point. And once you get 10 points, you're in their database, you get flagged, you get watched, you get thrown against a wall, you get searched. We still have stop, uh, stop and frisk policies here in Boston every year, of course, disproportionately targeted towards young black men. So Julia is discussing the dismantling of that system. The last thing is, is that I feel like this is my second budget and every year I have a growth mindset. So every year I learn something new and I hope to just continue to get better. Because once you know what you know, the whole idea is that you do better, right? Um, my hope is, is that as we really start thinking about the next wave of conversations, is that we're not putting Band-Aids on bullet wounds. Because that is what we do every single day here in the city of Boston. We are resource rich and coordination poor. We have advocates screaming, hooting, hollering, and yelling about the things that they want. And then once a year, we have this grand deal to opportunity to fight for the things that we want. But oftentimes that fight doesn't seem to have a lot of um, will, and I'm hoping that my colleagues this time around really rise up and um, listen to the people that put them in office and fight for the type of budget that we have all been fighting for, or at least some of us have been fighting for since last year. So this is not- Ooh, long shots long fired. Like it, shots fired. Last minute political plays that happen here on this floor. I asked my colleagues to, uh, and some of you all know I don't like surprises. It's always hard for me to process. I need time to really think. Um, so while I appreciate the preparedness of just being able to battle here in front of you all today, I am going to ask my colleagues to be a little bit more thoughtful about how we present things on the floor and give us some time to really think about what is at play. Um, because we have a responsibility to come here prepared to fight for the things that our um, community has been asking for. And I think today's little impromptu, while I really do appreciate it and does give us an opportunity to fight and gives our advocates an opportunity to prepare themselves for the battle that is ahead, we also have to be super mindful that this is a battle, but the war has yet to be won. And so I'm here for all of it because everybody knows I like a good fight. So let's get it. Thank you. So um, that was Julia's second time uh, speaking. I, I like to try to give everyone's motivation. 
Ed Flynn is boring, and he's going to vote yes, and he's just trying to keep um, some of his more progressive constituents, particularly uh, the well-organized uh, constituents of Chinatown, satisfied. So he says his little thing. Julia will be running for re-election for at-large. She is so far the only candidate that I've endorsed in the at-large race. I'll talk more about that probably next week or two. And one of the big questions that I had about this little procedural move is who who knew that this was going to happen? Because it seems like Mackenzie did the motion, so Kenzie definitely knew this was going to happen. Anissa, she basically read a stump speech, so it's possible that she saw the opportunity and she just repeated a speech that she's had memorized on the campaign trail. Lydia Edwards seemed very well prepared, and so did Liz Brearden. So did Matt O'Malley. Um, from what I just gathered from Julia, Julia didn't know that Kenzie was going to be um, doing this procedural move today. So that leads me to believe that certain people were kept out of the loop. Uh, Andrea gave an identical speech the day before. So she maybe she was in the loop, maybe she wasn't, but she would have been prepared to speak on it. And so part of me is thinking that maybe Kenzie went to some of the more moderate members, Lydia, Liz, Matt O'Malley, maybe gave Ed Flynn a little nudge. Frank Baker just went off, but I think maybe Kenzie views him as an ally in this. And by that, I mean someone who's going to vote yes. And left out Julia. Did she leave out Michelle? I don't know. Let's, let's see what happens next. The chair recognizes the chair of the Committee on Ways and Means, Councillor Bach. The floor is yours. Thank you so much, Councillor O'Malley. Thank you sincerely to colleagues um, for voicing all of those um, thoughts and, uh, and real goals for the work that we might do together in the next week. Um, I want to uh, say before I make the motion that my intention um, is for us to have a working session as soon as I can notice one is Friday afternoon. Sorry, but this is the urgent work of the city. Um, the, you know, I think we will... I think that you know the hope for, the hope would be to get the council to a kind of sense of consensus around like you know, what's a supplemental appropriation order that could really get us, as Councilor Edwards said, to sort of a council's budget, a, a city of Boston budget um, that we feel comfortable passing. Um, I think there will. I, I was planning to hold the hearing on Monday. I think I'll keep the hearing on Monday because I do think that Councilor Mejia's point: the public deserves enough notice to know that they can show that they can get there. Um, and so. All right. I, so I'm going to try to watch that Friday meeting. And now she's saying about, public on and Monday. Is Friday not going to be public? What can we do that gets us to a funded fiscal year 22 by July 1st? But that, um, you know, and maybe it is some of that federal money on some of those bigger plays. Um, and so I, I'll be reaching out to um, to counselors to ask you to think about that. But our, as, as Councillor Edwards has frequently noted, unlike the State House, um, we do our work and our deliberation here at the City Council in public. Um, and uh, that's, you know, that's the open meeting law. And so um, I think. Oh, another burn. Friday afternoon. That would be great. I think that we will then talk to the administration on Monday. I will notice a working session for Tuesday as well, just so that we've got all of the time on the table. Um, and uh, and yeah, and I think there's there's work to do ahead, but um, but I think that there's a real opportunity um, for council leadership and collaboration with the administration in order to um, to, to lead for the city of Boston. Um, and to show what it would look like. I mean, that charter amendment that we unanimously passed, what it, what it would look like for us as a legislature to really step into that role on behalf of the people we represent. Um, so, Mr. Chair, um, so the That's actually, uh, that's a good point. I meant to bring it up yesterday. Maybe I did. Who knows? Is that, so the council passed an amendment unanimously. I'm very confident Kim Janey signed it, and I'm about 90% confident it's going to be on the ballot for the fall, which will allow 
it's going to just be a ballot initiative. And so people of Boston get to decide this. And it would allow the city councilors to tweak the budget. They do not get to change the price tag, the overall price tag, but they get to allocate and reallocate funding as they see fit as part of the negotiation. So a part of me also wonders if this procedural move by Kenzie is a way of bringing attention to that ballot initiative to try to gin up support for it, to be like, hey, like you want us to have this in public. We just did that back and forth over the last week. That's an example of how this would look like. We don't want to have to wait to the last minute of the last week. We want to have months to do this process. Let us do this. We can figure it out. We can pass a budget. And I think that ending part is the most important because I think Kenzie knows, and I think a lot of the councilors know, that if they failed to pass a budget, then voters would be very skeptical to give the city council the power to make amendments and changes to the budget because they would have demonstrated some certain level of incompetence. Now, for some of the people in the Boston City Council, that is a risk worth taking because it'll also damage Kim Janey. And as I said before, Andrea, Anissa, Michelle, they're running. Now, the last thing I want to point out is that Michelle did not speak during this. And I think that maybe points to she was kept out of the loop. And rather than improv something, decided just not to speak. Maybe she was given a heads up by Kenzie about this and decided, you know what? I'm not going to reveal how I'm going to vote on this. Andrea, the day before, already gave her a strong speech. And she's attacking Kim Janey very hard right now, trying to differentiate herself in the race. Uh, Michelle doesn't necessarily need to do that. So from a uh, tactical standpoint, Though I always want our politicians to be strong advocates, I would have an incredibly hard time biting my tongue in almost any situation. I think Michelle's silence um, points to a very good strategic decision. Before you make that motion, are you making the motion? Just, but, uh, I will call on you, but there's one more speaker. I'm sorry that I neglected. So before you make a motion, uh, that I will get to you after the next speaker, the district council. No. District Council from uh, Dorchester Council, Baker, the floor is yours. Sorry about that, Mr. Chair. I just want to make a couple more points. So being in 10, in 10 years, yeah, this is my 10th budget, and 10 years ago it was about advocating for improvements in, in my district, in my, for lack of a better term, my 10 blocks. Uh, you know, and, and, and 10 years ago it was Adams Corner Library, it was Downer down Park Playground, it was the Hancock Street Stairs, it was Garvey Park and McConnell Park and, and, and different libraries advocating for Lower Mills, Fields Corner, Upham's Corner. And 10 years later, I can look back and see how some of that stuff is done. So you lay out your future of asks. Your ask that happens now isn't going to happen next year. My ask took eight years or 10 years. You know, you've been, you've been here. It's 10 years before something comes to fruition. So I'm actually sitting on 10 years worth of, geez, that got done, that got done, that got done. So that's a little bit about how I've worked at advocating in this budget. I want to talk briefly about brick also. One, it is actually funny for someone to assume that it's just how it has to be. Is that, oh, because I had to wait 10 years. That means that's how things work, rather than maybe you just didn't advocate hard enough. Maybe you just don't know how politics works. Also, another thought just occurred to me is I wonder if Frank Baker is a little bit worried about his primary challenge um, that he's getting from McBride. Maybe that's causing the stir of passion we're seeing right now. Also, because you had talked, I shouldn't, we're not supposed to call people, but there was a, a comment about Brick and we want to reform them. and. Uh, there's parts of BRIC that we should be talking about, and I think we've got communication on the, on the gang database. But BRIC stands for Boston Regional Intelligence. It's not Boston Regional Dumb Cops. 
It's intelligent police officers. It's data collection. It's analyzing trends of what's going on. And I'm really concerned that if we have an eye on getting rid of brick, then we do a disservice to the entire region. Yeah, it, it, um, the, the intelligence gathering is doing is to surveil the locations of young black men to harass them. What Frank Baker is basically saying is that this protects my wealthier white constituents from the poorer blacker constituents a few blocks down. Around 9-11, when, when law enforcement was widely um, criticized for not talking to each other. This is our unit that talks to other agencies. So I just wanted to speak to that without... without oh, yeah, and the idea that we need this because of 9-11. I mean, at least say the Boston Marathon bombing. If you're going to lie and bring up a terrorist attack to scare people, come on. And also, we need to figure out what these jobs are. So those are my last... Oh, and my last thing, a lot of people talking about charter amendments and participatory budgeting. I think a little bit different than I think most of my colleagues do here. I'm elected as a representative of District 3 to go after the best, best budget for them. I'm elected to listen to their, to, their, to their needs and what I think is best for them. That being said, if we want to do participatory budgeting, I would say we should do a line item and every council gets a couple hundred grand, however you want to spend it, but you run the participatory budgeting the way you want to run it and spend it in your district, whatever that is. That could be 200000 towards a um, study for a senior housing development or something that you would commit your 200000 to however, however many years. I'm concerned about bringing the public into our job here. We're elected to do the job. So... <laughs> I don't think Frank Baker understands uh, participatory budgeting and how little money it actually is. And thank you for the love on TikTok. Thank you, Councillor Baker. Um, thank you, Councillor O'Malley, and thank you, Councillor Baker, they remind me of two other things I wanted to say. Um, one is that uh, I do not labor under the notion, and I don't think that others on this council do, that all of our disagreements with each other as elected officials we are going to settle in order to get to a budget that we can support in a week. I think it's going to be important for us to think, you know, based on the comments that people have made today, and also think... Do these people not talk regularly? How is this not part of an ongoing conversation? They literally just have one job. All they do is vote yes and no in the budget and, some, and confirm some appointments and then hold hearings. Talk it out. And so I would say, like, certainly in advance of our work session Friday, my office is going to take on making a kind of matrix of the things that people have raised and starting to think about, like, what would it look like to take some action on that? And if in the next two days people have other things that come to you or sort of, you know, when I said this, what I really meant was this feels like what I want to see. Share that with my office so that we can share it out with all the counselors and, again, deliberate about it in public on Friday. Um, but I just wanted to say to, to Councilor Mejia's point that if there are things that come up after the Somebody meeting, like the DM me what time the hearing is on Friday so um, I can live and, tweet it. Uh, yeah, and now, Councilor O'Malley, um, I would like to make a motion to suspend and pass docket 0801. There's a motion before the body to suspend and pass documents. And so this is like the silly procedural stuff because everyone knows it's not going to pass and that and it was just a ploy to give people to air their grievances to do these political moves. Okay, I'm gonna, okay, just one second. Councillor Baker had asked, and it sounds like Councillor Mejia may have also sort of echoed Councillor Bach. The floor is yours to explain what this procedural vote is. Yes, allow me. So I think it's important for us to have a sense of, you know, when we're there and when we're not there. And it certainly feels to me that we're not there. Obviously, I think the comments in the room today reflected that, the things that I was reading in the press and hearing from some of you reflected all that. Um, I think I think it's important for us to register that that's where we are today because I think that, you know, that sets a starting line for us to run from over the next week. Um, however... I think it's important for us to actually end up with the docket still in committee so that we can have the hearing that the public deserves, so that we can have the conversations going to happen these working sessions hearings over the next few days. So this is a procedural vote. As Councillor O'Malley alluded to, the, you know, obviously a suspension of the rules is, takes unanimous consent. Um, and so I, I, I 
I would encourage counselors to vote on this procedural motion as though you were voting on the substantive motion today, which is the question of whether or not today you are comfortable passing the operating budget. For all of our conversation, as I've said, like if like for me, that's a yes today. Like I think that there's been a lot of things that were put in the resubmission that have reflected council conversation, and I'm concerned about us, you know, about the future of the fiscal state. So for me, it's going to be a yes. I know that for a lot of folks today, it's a no. Um, and I think that, uh, and that's all right, and that's why we've, that's why we've had this family conversation, and that's why we're going to have a, a week ahead of work. But so I am making a procedural motion, um, Mr. Chair, but I, I would ask folks to, to think about it as a way of, of registering on the substantive motion. Okay. Thank you. I will take one more comment from the district council from Dorchester. Sorry about this. I'm a little slow on Correct. And then a no vote, a no vote would, would, we are still able to get back in. There would be an additional vote next week. Correct. So the vote right now is to whether or not this comes to the floor. If, if at least one counselor votes no, and I, I am, will be a no vote uh, on bringing it before the floor, it means we will not vote on it today, but we will, of course, vote on it uh, next Wednesday before the end of the fiscal year. Okay. okay. So, so, yeah, I would probably vote no by understanding it or just present. But, all right, come on, wrap it up. I want to watch this hockey game. We're voting to allow discussion of the budget in suspension of the rules. So that would be a yes, right? So we're voting yes to be able to do that. And then what are we voting no to? No, I mean, I, I would argue that we should not suspend the rules. Uh, this is this is unorthodox apologies for speaking from the dais, but I would argue that we not suspend the rules to vote on the budget today because it was just received today. It is funny how complex all this stuff is. Basically, Kenzie did a procedural move, deliberately knowing it would fail, but giving people the chance to talk. Chair recognizes the uh, uh, Chair of the Committee on Ways and Means, Councillor Buck. Councillor Mignot, I, I guess the way to think about it is, if everybody in this room were ready to pass the operating budget, then they would vote to suspend the rules, right, and then vote to pass the budget. Um, I, I don't expect people to be there, obviously. Um, I think that uh, I, I'm trying to offer this procedural vote as a proxy for registering where people are right now today on the budget. So if you're, not, if you're not ready today to pass the mayor's operating budget, then I would vote no on this. For me, if it were just me, like I, you know, I think that there's a lot of things that uh, that are of concern, and as a, as the Ways and Means Chair, I want us to get to yes collectively in this way that I think we're going to work in the week ahead. Um, but you know, I, I want us to get to yes, so I'll vote yes today. Um, but I, you know, that's the, the the goal is really to show the goal is to make it clear where we where we are. So. Uh no, well, we will get, we will get, and then I, we're going to get one more round, and then we're moving. I'm calling the question. Chair recognizes the district council from High Power Council Royal. The floor is yours. Uh, I was say, I understand this. Uh, just two clarifying questions. So essentially, this is a vote to suspend and pass. If I, as the first vote, say no because you've already said that you're going to say no, does the vote stop here, or do we just do the whole? No, we'll thing continue and... the vote of all councilors. Okay, thank you, thank you, thank you for being in brevity too, Councilor Royal. Chair recognizes the district council from East Boston, Councilor Edwards. Um, I, I, I was clear until this uh, about what we were doing. <laughs> So thank you uh, for pushing back. I, I thought I understood. Um, so just a quick breakdown of my understanding. The motion is to suspend and pass. Correct. Right. Okay. So we're then bringing the budget forward. And if you are voting yes, you are agreeing that we should suspend the rules and pass the budget. If you vote no, you are saying we should not. That is correct. Okay? All right. Good. Thank you. Sure. Chair recognizes the district council for Mattapan, Councilor Campbell. I, I, I want to, I think we need to take a step back. I think the first request is if we're going to suspend the rules as a body. Correct. <laughs> Oh my god. This is why I actually like lo local politics. I love the minutiae of the Roberts rules. I mean, if I was them too, I would probably be like, I know this. I'm the sixth person to say this. I need to know what I'm voting on so I don't see tweets and DMs and a news article about me voting to suspend the budget and ruin the rules and all that. So what am I doing? I mean, in hindsight, I know people right now, I would vote no. That's I'm going to do a, a roll call vote uh, on this motion before us. And I would say, 
I would disagree. I think in the rules it's crystal clear. Only one counselor has to object, and that's it. No counselor has to give Correct. Rest. Everyone's in agreement on that already. The chair recognizes, thank you, Councilor Campbell. The chair recognizes the other council from South Boston, Councilor Flaherty. The thing is, just through, from the previous speaker, maybe just an offer of a compromise is that we do a voice vote. All in favor say aye, opposed say no, and then we'll sort of get an indication as to who's aye, who's nay, and that'll probably trigger uh, previous speaker's comment that there'd be a nay, you'd hear a nay, which would then suspend, obviously, would, would prevent the suspension. I, I appreciate that. It is my, uh, it is uh, the opinion of the chair that he or she can call a roll call vote if, if needed. On All right, you know, uh, come on, let's go. Have, uh, There's a hockey game on. Vote so I know how you all voted on this. Madam Clerk, on a motion, can the chair compel a roll call vote? I believe on a motion. Okay. If you don't know what's going on, just vote present. And she she's not mic'd up, so this is like the the parliamentarian basically who exists to help give the the clerk to to give the rules. Vote someone could doubt the vote, and then you as chair would get the roll call. Thank you. So there's two ways to get there. Okay, thank you, Councilor Flaherty, President Emeritus. Chair recognizes Councilor Royal. Thank you. Uh, I would just say this the suspended pass is always done on the moment. There's nothing unique about this suspended pass comparatively to any other suspended pass on a resolution or a motion. They all come to the floor the same exact way. So I don't know what the uniqueness here would be. Uh, I, I'm going to object because it's very clear that the rest of the body objects. I don't think we need to take all of this time to get to an objection. That's 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 my that's my overarching point. I would ask the uh, chair to to try and to save some time there with that. Thank you, Councilor Royal. I am now calling the question before us. There is a motion before the body offered by Ken Councilor Kenzie Bach, the chair of the Committee on Ways and Means. It has been seconded by Councilor Edwards. The motion is to suspend the rules and pass docket 0801. All those in favor, please indicate by saying aye. aye. Opposed, say nay. 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 Madam Clerk, would you please call the roll on, doc on the uh, motion before us? Thank you, Mr. President. On docket 0801, suspension and passage, Councilor Arroyo. Councilor Arroyo, no. Councilor Baker. Uh, Arroyo is enough. No. Baker is enough. Boxy, yes. Boxy, yes. Liz is enough. Campbell, no. Edwards, no. Oh, so. Anissa, why did you give a whole speech about how this budget is inadequate and then vote yes, which would put up the budget? I guess hypothetically, she could be voting yes, which is basically a vote to say we should vote on the budget and then to vote no for it, but that's an odd way of doing it. Council Flynn, no. Council Kick, I'm, I'm so sorry. Council Mejia. Council Mejia, no. Council O'Malley. No. Council O'Malley. No. Okay. And all right, Michelle was a no. All right, we finally got there. My God. I can't believe any of you sat through me watching that. <laughs> Who the hell would watch this show? But, okay, we're going to leave it at that for tonight. Uh, well, thank you uh, for the love of, uh, in TikTok. Um, but we're going to end it there tonight. Obviously, I don't do the live shows on Friday. However, I will be following this hearing tomorrow. I do work during the day, so... I will try to live tweet it, so for people who listen to this afterwards, I have to imagine you all follow me on Twitter, and then I will probably do the video portion next Monday. We'll see, because I think there's going to be another hearing on Monday, so there's going to be a lot. This is what we're doing now until the budget, is we're going to be watching these people, because this is the most consequential thing that a city councilor does, is to vote yes or no on the budget, and how they use their power, how do they use the position, especially given the political nature of the mayoral race. All this is fascinating. 
and this will be the next week of our lives together. So I'm going to say goodbye to the Twitch, Facebook, YouTube crowd. I'm going to say goodnight to my podcast people.